Welcome to the podcast of Outpost Church in McLaren Vale. This week, we are hosting a discipleship training week, and our focus is the spiritual disciplines. And this is our second year of running the Discipleship Training Week, and we are pumped. It's our first year of offering the content from the DTW uh, on our podcast, and we hope that it's encouraging for you. We hope that it helps to equip you uh, to live a life of intimacy with Jesus Christ. For those of you who don't know me and don't know what I do with a lot of my time, Um, I'm a uni student, which I love, um, and I work at a hospital doing sort of what I'm studying kind of in an apprentice manner. Um, And I guess before I kind of get into it, um, as I've been reflecting, I think something God's been really showing me and a key, or something he's been really showing me is I think when I first got into study and into this workplace that I'm in, I was very much like, very much like, yes, Lord, I'm going to see salvation, people are going to be saved, share the gospel, which is like definitely true. But something I wasn't expecting was how through study and through work, how he deeply longs for us to actually encounter him. And I'd say like in the last three years of being a student and working, I've never like through what I'm doing in every day, just like he want, like he, he just continues to remind me that his desire and his stance is pursuit. Um, so I think as I kind of begin sharing, you'll kind of see that throughout. But I think we can have this idea of, well, that's ministry and that's, sac- like, that's sacred and that's like secular. And I just want to begin by saying like, I believe that's not the case. Like we're physical beings, we're emotional beings and we're spiritual beings. So how can I say what I'm physically doing with my time isn't affecting me spiritually? And when I'm studying, I wholeheartedly believe, and I'll get into it more in a little bit, the Holy Spirit is with me and the Holy Spirit is teaching me more about himself. And I think that's something really unexpected I've learned in the last three years. And I thank God nearly every day for that because he's not separated from us. It's not like, here's Elo and here's God. It's like, here's Elo and God's with me. Like, he's with us. Um, So that's a bit of like, I guess... As I talk, I just want you thinking about that idea of intimacy um, as a real focus point. And it's from that place of intimacy that we kind of can do all that we do. Um, so a bit of context or a bit of background of how I got into study, how I got into my workplace. Um, long story really short, um, I came to know the Lord when I was 13. It was the first time I heard the gospel. And um, when I was near 12 is probably when I first started like pursuing him. I'm pursuing the Lord, pursuing our Father. Um, and it was in year 12 that I was very ambitious to get into um, a degree called Clinical Exercise Physiology, or the shortened name CEP. And I was very ambitious about it, and I was very like, I need to study, I need to get this ATAR. And I was like, gap years are not good. You should never have a gap year. Very strong on that. Um, and then as I began to learn about God in this year, he he began to graciously just reveal himself to me more. Um, and it was in August, I, I sat down and I thought, well, if I'm pursuing the Lord, I should probably just like wait on him and hear his voice. Um, and as I sat with him, he began showing me that his plans for the next year were way different than my plan of getting this great ATAR, getting into this course so I can think I'm so good. Um, and he began to really show me this root of pride and why I wanted to get into that degree. 
Um, and began, yeah, revealing to me this thing of this invitation of him, that he was inviting me into doing some, um, to focusing more on him. Um, and specifically, felt, I felt like he was speaking and calling me into doing um, a discipleship training program or a DTS through an organisation called Youth with a Mission, also known as YWAM. Um, so that's what he said. Um, and being still new in the faith, I thought it would be good to see what other people said, get some saints along. And um, in that process, <laughs> little people agree with my decision. Um, little people, because my family are not yet believers, and they were pretty against it, and most people pretty against it. They're like, what are you doing? Like, why would you do that? It's not a good witness. And it got me really challenged of what do I do? I've heard God say something, and I've heard him speak, the author, the creator. Yeah, I don't really have many people backing this. Um, and I went to my pastor who was meeting with me regularly at this point and um, he was praying with me one day and he just felt like, he's like, hello, I really believe that you should go. Um, so it was with kind of one or two people agreeing that I kind of went into this this year. So I went into, I did a program and I was in that program, I think something foundational that I learnt is hearing God's voice and like hearing it regularly and just sitting in his presence um, and as I think about study, I think a foundation, which I'll touch on a bit later, is hearing God's voice and what it looks like to be doing that. So I was, I was doing this program, long story short, felt God call me into missions. So I was serving with YWAM in Western Australia and sort of in the 1040 window for two years. And I was pretty set, like I'm not going to uni, just didn't feel like that was where God was leading me. And I was set, like I'm going to do missions for the rest of my life is where I was at until God speaks otherwise. Um, and at one day, I just felt this really big tap of, hello, hello, like, I want you to go to, go to university. And I was like, that is not the Lord speaking. That is not God. Get off me, enemy. Get off me, Satan. And I was like rebuking. Um, and as I processed this to the leader, uh, a, a, a person more mature in the faith, they just kind of gent- gave me a gentle sort of nudge of, hello, what happens if this is what, it, what God is saying? Um, so I found myself on this, on this sort of pursuit of, okay, maybe I'm going to go to study. This is funny. So I prayed about it and felt like that was where God was calling me. Um, and so I went back to Adelaide in 2018 to pursue studying. Um, but at this point, I was like, I can't do CEP because that didn't work out before. And I think that was something, like my past experience had blinded me from where God was kind of, I think, leading me at the point at that time. Um, so at the start of 2018, I was enrolled in another degree, actually. Um, and then it was when I sat down and just spent more time praying, I felt like God clearly said, no, like, I want you to do clinical exercise physiology. And I was like, well, the census is over. I'm not enrolled in that. How is that going to work, Lord? And I just really, like, as again, I just, as I just sat in his presence. I really just felt like he was like, hello, like, just pursue this. So I rang up the university because that seemed like a logical thing to do with now my desire to want to do this degree that I didn't think I could get into. Um, and it was funny because when I rang them up, they were like, did you know you were enrolled in two degrees? You're enrolled in CEP and this like, as well as this degree. And they're like, I don't know how that's possible. And I'm like, what do you mean? Because I had got accepted and I def- it deferred one year and that was it in my mind. But apparently I was always enrolled. It was great. So um, I ended up actually, yeah, going straight into clinical exercise physiology. And I think that was a really, I think that whole process was really key for me in hearing God. Um, I think that was some foundation of, okay, like, I'm going to uni and then actually taking that time of just praying again 
hearing him and being like, okay, I'm actually going to change what I thought and do what he's speaking. Um, and I share that because I think in YWAM, a massive principle we learned about was hearing God. And whenever we went on a mission trip or whenever we were leading a trip, before we, as a, on, like, as a leader, a staff on a DTS, we'd get asked to pray for a word. So before like leading a team overseas, we'd ask, we'd ask God for a word. And the idea of this was if we could have a word, it would be a word we can continue to come back to, to continue to bring our eyes and gaze back to. Um, and I think going into university and going to work, that whole principle of hearing God and having that word to come back to has just been really foundational. Because um, I think it can be so easy when things are hard, things are challenging. It's like, oh, what do I do? Like, like kind of Beth and Scotty were saying before, like we feel called to open this business, but like there's a pandemic. That's God clearly closing the door. But it's like, no, let's come back to what is God speaking? What has he said? That's our sounding board. Um, so yeah, that's been like massive throughout my journey. Um, yes, a very big foundation. Um, but I guess as I begin to share now, I'm going to kind of progress from sort of my first year of uni and progressing through um, just the things that God's sort of taught me. Um, and then I'm going to kind of share a little bit about practically what does it look like to study with the Holy Spirit and what does it look like to study with Him, um, if that is true. Um, so, so, yeah, that was the foundation of hearing God. And I think from sort of being in missions and being with YWAM, we do evangelism a lot. So I think going out and sharing faith was something I was pretty passionate about. So going to uni, I think something... I was a bit unsure about was how do I, like that's key, but what does that look like? And I think from an early stage, like the first week of uni, I think something on my heart was just to not be afraid. And I think my biggest thing was, I think in sharing faith, it was like, well, what happens if I say this stuff to my friends and then I'm in a uni class and I'm just a hypocrite and then it just like doesn't represent God and then it's like, I can't share my faith. And for me, that was like a big stumbling block of, well, I can't share because of maybe this. But I think from an early stage, I just felt like, no, I'm going to share my faith where it comes up. I'm going to be open with what I believe. I'm going to trust God that if for whatever reason something doesn't line up, I'm just going to trust God in that. And I think an example, which I, yeah, an example of this is a bit of a funny one. But um, I was doing a course in anatomy in first year and first semester. And we have to do these exams where you have to, so someone will stand up and you'll get given there's about, I think you have to know about 60 different landmarks. And in your exam, you'll get asked to pinpoint and to palpate someone and mark them. And the lecturer is kind of testing you of how you're palpating them, how you're going about it, how many seconds it takes for you to get there, etc. So we're in a class one day and our, lecture, our, our tutor randomly comes over and it's like the week before the exam, everyone's freaking out because it's worth like 50% of our grade. And she's like to me, Jeanette's like, Jeanette, she has this Indian accent, she's a beautiful lady. She's like, Eloise, would you like to do have a practice exam? And she starts like running me through this exam. And I full out like panic, like panic, like oh my god, like I start doing it and panic. And I run off to this bathroom and I just start like crying, like oh my goodness, like, <gasps> like this is so stressful. And I'm just crying. And my friend Emma um, comes up to me, she comes to the bathroom and it was this profound moment for me because she's not yet a believer but earlier on, this is probably week 10 of uni degree at this point, I'd been sharing my faith and my testimony with her and just sharing along. So is this a, yeah, so we got to this point and she says to me, Elo, I could stay here but I know right now that you don't need me, you just need to pray and be with God. 
Um, she's like, I'm just going to go back. And if you need me later, I'll come. And it was a profound moment of like, in that moment, I'm sitting there like crying and anxious and like overwhelmed. And here I have someone who's yet not believing in God pointing me to Jesus. And I think it was just this moment of like, man, like God, you truly do use all that we say for your good. And like, I'm so grateful that I shared with her my journey and my testimony, despite knowing there's going to be moments where I wouldn't represent God well. Um, or yeah, so that was really like a powerful moment. I think really sort of was a, just a power, powerful moment going into the rest of my degree. Um, yeah. Um, um, and then I just want to read a scripture. So I'm going to pull out in Matthew 6. Um, I'm going to read 25 to the end, to 33. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what, what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, and be ratchet, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I think in my first year of uni, um, this was a passage that I kept coming back to, but I'd found it really difficult. I think my background was a lot of my friends were kind of the higher end of the degree. And whenever we'd engage in con conversation, it was always about worrying it was always about what assignment do you have next have you done your lecture notes have you done your outline because we need to memorize this are you ready for the test and I kid you not would receive like 20 texts a day from different people being like have you done this have you not done that and it was so like there's so much worry and so much just stuff caught up in it and I think in my first year I was like well I just need to listen to it and be compassionate because if I don't like I don't want to be like not hear them so I'll just whatever but I think as I kind of got to the end of my, sec my first year and went into my second year of my degree, God began to really speak to me about this through the scripture of um, other translations say, do not worry. And there's other sort of scriptures which allude to this as well. And as I, go I began to like sort of dwell on that, I just felt like the Father speak to me so clearly about not worrying and that to actually be cutting off my right arm so I wouldn't be in a place where I would worry. So for me, it was like practically, okay, how do I get in a place where I'm not worrying and I'm not like dwelling on that? And for me, it looked like when people were engaging in conversations about lecturers and speaking badly of them, I would, 
I'd, I'd sometimes would actually just disengage. If, I, if, I, if it was appropriate, I'd actually walk away, depending on the conversation, or I'd disengage. I would, people would message me. I just would begin to be compassionate and ask them, answer them questions and give them practical guidance, but I wouldn't let them dwell on their worry. And people would ask me, what am I worried about? And I would say, well, I wouldn't try and be boastful, make it sound like I'm all good, but I just changed my language. And for me, that was massive. But it also came with this price I didn't expect of that I began to lose a lot of my friends at university. Because I think in the uni world, in the studying world, when you have a problem and other people have that problem, there's this sort of unhealthy kind of bit, like simmering pot, which begins. And so when I began to not engage with that, I actually began to kind of, people didn't really like it. And they'd be like, why aren't you agreeing with us? Or why this? And I think that was a real challenge for me. And I was like, well, I want them to know Christ, but also I really don't believe in this. And I don't believe that I should be putting myself where I'm intentionally dwelling and feeling anxious because we're not called to. We don't need to walk in anxiety. An anxious thought can come. It can come and come, and that's not a bad thing if it comes, but it's how we respond to that anxious thought that is really important. And I believe that Christ has created us to thrive and not just survive. And I guess a question is, is dwelling on anxious thoughts, is that actually leading to, leading to us thriving? My answer, my conclusion is no. Um, so yeah, I think through that time, it was also a time of, in my second year and my third year, it was this thing of, God teach me, Elo, would you trust me? Would you trust me that when you feel misunderstood, when you're in a, when you're in a classroom, people aren't really talking to you, you anymore, would you trust me that I'm with you? Would you trust me that I'm going to help you, help you get other friends? Would you trust me that I'm greater than this? Would you trust this desire of wanting to, be, wanting to belong but feeling not understood? Or would you just this, this time of just trusting God in a, new, in a new way? And I think as well in that same time, it was a time of also just trusting God of like when people would message me it was instead of just responding not to sound spiritual because I don't think it is at all but it was just kind of like actually praying and praying for that friend who would send me an anxious message and I'd pray and I'd take a moment and I'd just respond with truth and I think it was just changing the way that I was the way that I was doing things and like I don't know that was just something quite significant and I think still is significant um, in my sort of day to day and I think Last year, I was doing a subject, for those outposts probably know, that I found very out of my depth. And it was so easy to want to speak badly about the lecture. And there's definitely moments where I didn't honour them in a great way. But I was also just aware that, like, I don't know, I think I was just really tested with this. Of, like, when I don't believe something's being done, doing justly, how do I still honour? Um, and how do I, well, I don't know if that's the right sentence, way of approaching it. But, like, how do I... When I'm struggling, how do I also, I don't know, just like go forward in that? Um, and I think last year, like in doing that subject, which I found really hard, was a really like, a, it was a time of how am I actually speaking about it? And how am I, yeah, like, I don't want to just communicate in my spirit that I'm anxious and worried, but actually trusting that even though I don't understand the content, trusting that God will actually help me bring, like help bring revelation. And I think that was like a real critical point was like last year in that second semester, um, and yeah, just asking God, okay, I don't understand this. Practically, what do I do? And I think he is a God who loves, who loves to speak. And as I prayed, like he began showing me like people like Lockie, who's an engineer, just like God was like, ask for help. And I'd ask Lockie for help and he'd help me and like practically just like getting strategies from God. And I think instead of just like dwelling in a pit of pity, um, anyway, it's a bit of a rant. So I'm going to end that thought.
Um, something else which has been like quite significant um, as I've been reflecting is lecturers and tutors. So for those who know me, I have these phrases of the day. Marvellous Monday, tremendous Tuesday, wondrous Wednesday, fa- thankful Thursday, fabulous Friday, superb Saturday and stunning Sunday. And people kind of ask, like, where did it come from? And at first it came from leading some, like, some ministry teams overseas and wanting to engage. But they really continued actually in university because I found that when I was in the coffee line continually with the same baristas, people were just, it was just an easy way to actually engage with someone and have a somewhat conversation. And with my lecturers, it was a really easy way of just being like, hope you're having a wondrous Wednesday. And actually just at a conversation point, and I'd rather than be like, hi, how are you? I don't really care how you are, but I'm, I'm asking anyway. Um, and I think, <laughs> I just think like practically things like that have been massive. Like having little phrases, having like little things to say to people has helped me to be intentional to actually be aware of my words and to be aware of the way I'm treating people. I think lecturers and tutors, like I think about the fact that God has given these gifts to people and these talents. And they might not, not, may not yet know the Lord, but they're still so valuable. And how quick is it to like look down on them or to get grumpy? But I think the power of a word. And for me, like just having that mon- marvelous Monday was a great icebreaker. And often <laughs> in tutorials, I'd walk in and I'd be like, I'd walk in and I'd be like, good morning, Max. You having a marvelous Monday? And it would turn into like a 10-minute conversation before the, like, the, like the tutorial. Um, and I just found that a really great strategy to actually intentionally engage um, with lecturers and with tutors. Um, and as well, intentionally going after every lecture, tutorial or lecture um, before COVID when I actually saw people, to actually go up to someone afterwards and say, thank you so much for your time. I think the power of thank you, like we as believers, like we illustrate Christ through our actions so much. And if our actions aren't honouring or our actions aren't showing love, then why would someone, ha- is, our, is our words valid? Like, like we gain respect through, I think, also our actions. And as much as we need to preach and share the gospel, the good news of Christ, because so many people don't know Christ yet, we also need to have actions which are aligning with him. Not from a place of striving, as we've been talking about this week, but from a place of resting. Um, read Ephesians if you want to know more about that. It's good. Um, yeah. All right, so I'm going to sort of switch gears a bit and talk about a bit more about practically what it looks like to study with God. Um, so I sort of mentioned how I've been getting a bit of revelation about how we can experience God. And I think at the start of studying, like sort of three years ago, I'd kind of sit down at my desk and be like, thank you, Jesus, for this day I'm about to study. Bless my study. Amen. I'd go to my study for a few hours, have a little check-in point in the middle of the day. Thanks, God, for today. How are you going? Or what are you saying? But I think <laughs> through the last sort of, yeah, through the last sort of two years, I've been really learning, like I sort of mentioned at the start, like God desires intimacy with us. And it's just been this revelation of like, when I'm sitting here studying, like the Holy Spirit is like, Eloise, Eloise, like you're studying, you're learning about the body. Like, I'm so excited. Like, what are you learning? Like, what are you, and I like, (laughs) (laughs) and it's exciting because the Holy Spirit and like, he's with like, Holy Spirit is with us when we're studying, and I deeply believe, like, it's like, I'm sitting here, my practice has kind of begun like this. I'm sitting here in the office, or last year in the office where I was studying, and I'd sit here, and it's like, Holy Spirit is here, like, he's here, and it's like, 
when I get excited about something, I'm telling them, like, like, Holy Spirit, like, how cool is this? Like, the body's made like this. Like, God made the brain. Isn't that cool? And it's like, if I have a question, I'm like, God, like, why did you create it like this? And I think, like, God is, God wants to be relational. Like, he is here. Like, he's relational. He's not just like, well, he's a king and you're a peasant. It's like, no, he's relational. Like, he is here and he wants that connection. And I think so often some of my believing friends, they talk about study and they're like, oh, it's a drag, but I just feel like I'm meant to do it. And it's like, why is it a drag? Like, you get to learn with the Holy Spirit. Like, how is that boring? Like, how is it boring? Like, he cares about what you're learning. He cares about what you're doing. Like, he doesn't want you just sitting there being like, well, this sucks. He wants to be, like, teaching you. Like, when I struggle with physics, I'd sit there and be like, Father, I think physics is so stupid. Why is it good? Like, and I have these conversations. And I was like, he deeply wants to know that. Like, when you're studying, like, he wants, or whatever you're doing, he wants to be part of it. And I'm so passionate about this message because people don't talk about it. They just talk about, oh, well, I have to study or I have to work. I, I work nine to five and then I go, I don't know, go home and do something. And it's like, well, no, you work nine to five and get to experience God in that. Like, why is there a divide between sacred and sec- secular? There's not a divide. Like, we need to break this stupid wall that I don't know who invented because there's no wall. Like, <laughs> there's just no wall. Um, so practically, you're sitting here like, Coelho, you think the Holy Spirit studies with you? Like, <laughs> like so <laughs> if, I'd, like, if I'm not used to this, like, what does that actually look like? And I I think it's a good question because so often we can talk about spiritual disciplines and we can suggest great things, but it's like practically actually what does it look like? Because God doesn't just come to bring conviction and like for you to hear a good word. He actually speaks to us and also wants like, he doesn't just say stuff for the point of just saying it like there's, or sometimes he does, but like he gives us revelations. We can actually live out of it and be transformed by it. So I think, so when I'm studying, it's kind of, it looks different, but if I'm on a busy schedule, it's at the start of the week, I'll often sit down with God and I'll be like, just have a cup of tea and I'll literally just be like planning my schedule and I'll invite the Holy Spirit. I'll be like, Holy Spirit, like you're here, like I'm going to plan this now, like would you help plan with me? And I'll just take a bit of time and I'll practically look through what are my commitments like in this week and I'll have, I'll make a list of what are my commitments on the days and I'll write down like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and I'll right, what are my commitments? And I kind of, I like highlighting things, so I highlight them, and I'm inviting God, and I'm like, and I'm like what, what, I have this assignment due. Okay, to get this assignment due, what do I have to do? So I make, for me, like, lists work for me, so I use lists. But I'm praying, and I'm, pr- like, praying, with, like, including God in that, because I don't think that's religious. I think that's actually just what you do with a friend. Like, for anyone, like, if anyone who has a best friend, like, you want to include them, because they're your best friend. And I think, like, Jesus, like the Holy Spirit is our best friend. Like the Father, Jesus, like they're our best, they're our best friends. So why don't, we inc- why don't we include them? And why do we call this religious? It's not religious. And so, yeah, for me, it just looks like practically like praying through things and like writing out. And as I'm writing out and doing something practical, like, God, what do you think about that? And I'll just wait for some, wait. And sometimes I won't have peace. And I'll be like, why, don't, why doesn't that fit right? And then I'll be like, I think I'm trying to do too much with my time. And, like, it's just a process of me of practically just writing out a list, taking a few more minutes and just kind of asking Holy Spirit, asking God, like, what, what do you think of this? Like, do you think this is a good plan? Um, and that's when I'm in, like, a busy season. I'll kind of do that at the start of the week. And at the start of each day, often, again, I'll have my, like, I normally come and sit down. I'll sit down again and I'm starting my day and I just welcome Holy Spirit and I just thank you that he's here with me. And I just often will take time to read a psalm or read scripture 
to sort of get my heart in the right posture because I think sometimes when we study it, when we work, for me personally, maybe it's only me, but I can go in with such a bad attitude of not expecting. And I think expectance, creating a heart of expectancy is key. I don't know, maybe just me, but I think it's key. And I think, so for me, it's like taking time to, to, encounter, to set my eyes on who God is. So when I'm studying, I'm, I'm posturing my heart towards, I want my heart to be like him. I want my heart to be like him as I'm studying. As I'm learning, I want my heart to be teachable and moldable. Um, so yeah, I guess that's practically, yeah, sort of, and then I'll, often again, I'll sometimes do that same process of the week, but in the day, and I'll be like, what should I work on today, Holy Spirit? And do you have any strategies for me today? Like, and sometimes I'll feel like to have strongly had breaks every two hours. Like sometimes I'll feel like I'll just hear different strategies. And I think that's from the Holy Spirit. Like sometimes I'll have two hours of studying, then I'll have a time and then I'll go outside or I do different things. But I think the Holy Spirit is with us and it's just taking moments. Um, And sometimes we won't hear him right. (laughs) And I think that's okay. It's like when, it's like when, back in the day, not that I'm that old, but back in the day when you had landlines and you couldn't see someone's like phone number, you pick up the phone and it's like, ring, ding, ding, hello, who is it? And you hear a voice and it's like, well, it's like, hi, my name's Jane. And it's like, nice to meet you, Jane. But it's like, as Jane, ring, ding, ding, keeps ringing you, that familiar, that voice is getting more familiar. I think it's the same with like the Lord. Like so often I hear people say, well, I don't know what God's voice sounds like or I hear about hearing God, I hear about all this, but we don't know what it sounds like. And it's like, well, are we actually practicing listening to him? Because I think, yeah, you know, when I'm studying, maybe I'm way off. Maybe sometimes I'll sing worship and maybe that's way off. Maybe it's not, but does it like, I guess, does it matter? Like in the end, that's building greater intimacy. That's building greater connection with him. So like, and I think that's the end goal. Like, why are we here? Like we're here to grow in intimacy with him and through intimacy with him and through connection with him, there's an overflow and he's known. Like, how can we expect him to be known if we're not actually connecting with him? (laughs) So I've got one more practical thing which I found really helpful. So for me, if you're studying, or maybe if you're on a computer all day, again, maybe I'm the only crazy one here, but, like, there's this thing called, like, thoughts, and I find them very distracting. So I'm, like, sitting there, I'm, like, I should, I should study about the brain. This is so cool. But honestly, I'm not always, like, the brain, this is so exciting. Sometimes I'm, like, the brain, I've got to learn all this stuff. <laughs> and it's not fun. <laughs> but, um, but we have these things called thoughts, and they can kind of get in the way. So something that um, Rob actually suggested to me, which has been really helpful, is this thing called the thought court. Some of you may have heard of it, and some of you may not. But I have this thing where I have a piece of paper next to where I study. And whenever I have a thought, which is not related to study, and I actually recommend this in your quiet time as well, when it's not related to study or it's not related to what I'm doing, I just write it down on a piece of paper. And it could be like this thought of, I've got to get groceries today. Or it could be like a practical thing. So I normally have a practical list and I also have like a thought list. But I might have a thought of like, I'm feeling whatever it is. And then whatever. And sometimes if I don't write that out, I'm thinking about that thought. And I'm like, for the next half an hour, I'm trying to memorize the layers of the brain. But I can't memorize the layers of the brain because I'm stuck on this thought. So I found that writing it down is helpful. Then I set a time aside every day. Normally in a study semester, which I'm currently not in, it's about 4 p.m. And I'll take time, about 20 minutes, where I have that in my schedule and I'm addressing these thoughts. And there's two criteria for this, this, this process. It's, is it true? And is it helpful? So I have, I might, some days I have a list of 50 things and some days I have a list of three things and I just take each thought and I say, and I just be like, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. And I'll be like, this is my thought. And I read it out loud and I say, is it true? Yes. Is it helpful? No. Cross it out. 
And I literally just go down the list because so often we can get distracted by things or I can get distracted by my mind. And I think just having little strategies in our pockets like this can be really helpful so we can actually not get distracted. So that's a good one. All right, so that's study. Um, I'm going to flick to work for a little bit and then I'll finish off. Um, so I sort of mentioned I work. So I work at a hospital, which I love. Um, I work doing allied health assistance. So if you know what a physio is, I help a physio. And if you know what OTs are or occupational therapists are, they, I help them. No one really knows what they are, but they help with wheelchairs and, I don't know, lots of things, lots of hand therapy. and They do lots of things. They're awesome. Love OTs. Side note. But um, so, yeah, I assist them at a hospital and I work on a rehab ward. So predominantly I have, we have inpatients, so people who are on our ward who are there normally sort of from three or four days up to several weeks or actually several, several months. So that's my context. Um, the ward that I work on is uh, mainly ortho. Um, it's a bit of a lower medical ward just for a bit of background. Um, and anyway, so basically I just do rehab with patients and I love it. Um, so I guess through working on a ward, I have obviously... Two people I work with, I have my fellow employees and I also have patients. So I will address patients at first and then I'll kind of go into the employee side. Um, so I guess when I first started working there, I'd find out a little bit overwhelming. So I've been on this one ward for two years now and I work there every week. I have set sort of times. Um, and basically it's just like a square and you have 20 patient rooms and you just go around and grab people for therapy. But I think, I don't know can be so easy whatever the context you're in to get caught up on, just caught up on things. And I think in a healthcare background, potentially, I don't know if Beth can agree to it, but often there's, specifically with patient handovers, people can, can give you information about patients which isn't probably needed or sometimes it's needed but, like, not helpful. And it's easy to look down on patients from what you're told or from your experience and to kind of walk around thinking lowly of them or to come and be like, oh, I have to get that patient, and they're a double person, meaning I need two people to get them out on the stand lifter, which is a, a machinery equipment we use to get people out. Um, and I think it's so easy to let those kind of thoughts simmer, and to actually that actually then affects the way we treat them. And I think early on, I just really struggled with working in that environment, because so often you'd have these handovers, and you just hear these thoughts, and it's like practically, like I began, it's like practically, what does it look like? like, a, like a, what does it look like? for a believer to see people as Christ does in that context. Um, and for me, for me practically, something I found really helpful is that when I get to work, I just, like, as I walk through the square guarding patients, I just pray, and I'm just like, Holy Spirit, like, show me people as you do. And sometimes I'm better at it than others, like other days. Like, some days I'll pray a lot of the day, some days, times I don't. But I find that just, like, praying and asking for God's heart is so helpful because it helps me to not see people from just like a lens of, oh, that's too hard or that don't matter. Um, yeah, so I think that's been a real struggle. And it's a journey I'm on is how do I see people as God does and how do I see patients specifically? Um, and yeah, that's a bit of a rant, but something I've really learnt and something which I think has shaped me is just being prayerful and continuing to just humble myself. And like before every shift, I've noticed that whenever I don't pray before a shift, I genuinely see people pretty poorly, but when I pray, I genuinely have a better perspective. Um, so I think that's like a really good, it's been a really helpful practice. Um, yeah, they do. And I think something else which I've really learned in being in the workplace for me, and again, in my context of on a hospital ward and with people who are vulnerable, um, it's just been like 
taking time. I think when I was first sort of on another ward, we don't have, I don't know how much you know about, anyway, it's a whole other conversation, I won't go into that. But sometimes it can be easy to feel pressured, like you have to get this person and this person and this person. Like, you know, again, in a hospital context, I don't know your context, but in my context, we have certain like time restraints that we need to get on time goals that we have to get for every patient. So in a day, we have this amount of minutes we need to get people doing therapy. And as a ward, we're expected to meet those markers. So I think sometimes it's easy to kind of just get like, I don't know, just to rush in, get someone, get them back. But I think something that God's been really teaching me is to be slow and to actually be willing to take more time and do something as simple as getting some, walking someone back, saying, how did you find that? Or asking them a question and taking a moment to do things which, which people often just don't do just because there's not enough time. So even a simple thing of they have these trays in their rooms, I'll often just move the tray in front of them, I'll give them hand sanitizer, I sit with them for a minute, then I'll go. And I find, I find that giving them that extra two minutes is massive. And sometimes that people don't notice it and sometimes they do. But I think as well, something, something that the Lord's been teaching me is there's such power and consistency. When we're consistently loving people and consistently making choices, like, I think that matters. Like, it's easy to have a good message or to do something for a short term, but the short term kind of comes and goes. It's like, I think there's something really powerful about consistency. So for me in my workplace, having that thing where I'm just intentionally like going to someone's room, taking those extra two or three minutes each time, that's something I can consistently do and it's something which I think is really powerful. Um, So I guess I encourage each of you, depending on your context, like what is something that you can do practically in your workplace, which is just showing care, is going the extra mile when it's not expected and what it, it might be something small, like having a smile or if you're a barista, being like, I hope you have a good day and actually meaning it or I don't know like something small that you can do consistently is my challenge for everyone here um from a work from a from a sort of more employee point of view I found it really helpful um being being sort of being able to find other people in allied health who are also Christians I think we have so many like there's believers within different areas of context and I think to actually find people who are physios, to find people who are EPs, to find people who are nurses who have similar experiences to you and to actually be able to share with believers about how you share the gospel on your workplace or how do you live out faith or how do you keep a pure heart, I think is actually really helpful to bounce off one another, specifically when you're in similar contexts. Like Beth, Beth's been studying nursing and she's studying nursing in a few weeks. Um, and we often like, we're a bit different in our workplaces, but we do have that sort of similar ground of a hospital. And we've kind of had a few chats about different things we've seen sort of on placement or on our jobs. And I found that really helpful, like finding someone else who's in it and being able to even sort of pray together or just asking issues. Like when we see mental health on a ward, like when we see mental health, what do we do with that? What do we think about that? And having other people, yeah, who are similar to actually be able to gauge off. Another thing I found helpful is finding people who are older than you in the fact, like people who believe in the Lord, who have been serving in that position longer than you. People who've been in, the, for me, in the health industry for 10, 20 years. For me to sit down with them regularly and be like, like okay, you've been serving in this long. Like, what have you learned? What's, what's helped you? And actually, like, we have saints. Like, we have other believers. Like, let's get alongside one another and actually be encouraging each other. Um, I think that's really helpful and practical. Um, another sort of another thing I want to touch on is just the power of prayer. And Alex mentioned on Tuesday about would we be people who would believe what we pray? 
And I think that's been, yeah, so that's such a good point. And I think on, in the workplace, just like praying when you have struggles, like no system is perfect and wherever you are. And I think whenever I have different struggles with systems or struggles with whatever, it's just praying. And I think there's such power in prayer. Um, a few quick testimonies like have been, um, I was working with a colleague who's um, a bit like he, he, he used to oversee me because he had a higher qualification and we didn't really get along. And I began, like, I just began daily praying for our relationship, like, whenever we'd work. And I just, like, committed it to prayer and fully believed that we'd actually have a great relationship. We ended up working together for a year and a half. And the last, like, 11 months of that working together was, like, the best thing. And now he's, like, a reference for anything I apply for. He's, like, my number one reference. Like, we genuinely have, like, a great friendship we, actually, we, we talk about openly, we've talked about faith and what we believe. And through actually praying for him, I began seeing him as God sees him. And that actually changed the way that I viewed him. And it actually enabled me to have conversations with him that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And like hearing what he believes. And he knows that I'm a Christian. And we both, we've both shared for hours about what we believe. And I think that was just simply through praying. Um, another story was like for sort of when he moved positions, for six months, we had, like, no consistent allied health workers. And I was finding it really difficult and considering leaving my job. And I just really felt like God was like, no, just pray for a worker. So I just began praying for a physio, like a permanent physio. So for six months from so yeah, July until January, I've just been, like, this, like the last six months, I've just been praying. And then randomly the other day, this physio rocks up. I got this message and she just rocks up on the Saturday. She's like, I'm a permanent worker here now. And she, like, loves the Lord. She's actually one of my friends. And it's, like, just great. Like, she's really good at what she does. And it's just great. And it's just, like, that thing of, like, just praying. Like, when you have something in your workplace that you're desiring, actually trusting that God cares about it and inviting him into that, I think, is really important. Um, And then I've also been praying for an OT because we haven't had an OT consistently. And, again, like, God just... Last week, we had this, like, OT rock up. She's like, I'm permanent, and I don't know why, but apparently my roster's just like this. And it's like, thank you, Lord, for answering prayers. Um, There's just power in praying, and I think, why not include God in what we're doing? Um, I think going back to patience for a little bit, and then I'll sort of finish. Um, It's been an interesting journey working in the government government sector. Um, Being in the government sector, there's certain legal requirements um, of not, sort of I'm not really we're not meant to actually talk about faith publicly and not really sharing our beliefs and also working with people who are who are vulnerable it's a it's one I've been really struggling with discerning like how do I share what if I believe Jesus is real which I do and I believe that he changes lives I'm like someone's sick I actually just want them to know Jesus like that's my heart but also recognizing how do I honor the government that I'm in but above all how do I honor God and also how do I honor people because if someone's vulnerable is it really a good where do I stand on that? If someone's in a vulnerable position, is it the lovingest thing to, I don't know, not take advantage, but they're just things I've wrestled with, I think, over the last sort of three years. What does it look like to share faith? And I think, in simple, I think, I've kind of shared a bit throughout, but I think the power of living out faith, I think, there's something I always kind of paid out. I was like, people say, just live out faith. And I'm, I was always like, that's so vague. But I actually think there's such power in living out faith and being consistent and like doing little things. Um, and as well, just being led by the Spirit. There's definitely been times where I have shared the gospel and I have prayed for people, um, which haven't, like, because I just felt led. And I think for me, something I do intentionally is 
Because I walk in someone's room, I can kind of see what they have around. So every time I walk in someone's room, I'm actually looking for a Bible or I'm actually looking for what they have around them. And if I notice they have a Bible, um, quickly when they're in the room, I'm like, oh, I see you have a Bible over there. Do you read that? And it's like little things that you can do to open conversations. Um, and sometimes like there has been patients where they've had no sort of, not, like no, no starting conversation pointer, but I've shared with anyway. But that's probably been more when I felt comfortable, like, by the Holy Spirit. Um, I definitely believe that he leads us. And when he's asked me to pray for people, definitely have. Um, and I think it's good just to be, yeah, good, good to wrestle with these questions and good to, like, I don't know. I guess my conclusion has just been, like, yes, I'm in the government sector, but as well, I don't want to limit God. Um, that's been, like, a big takeaway. Like, I don't want to limit what God wants to do. So having a heart where I'm willing to share but also having a heart where I'm willing that sometimes it's not appropriate to share. So the best thing I can do is actually just love and care for someone practically. So I think having that sort of both ways. Um, and I think, you know, Lockie sort of said at the beginning of this whole session, he was saying, like, always having something ready to share. And I think for me, like, most Saturdays I try and like going into the hospital with something God's put in my heart so I can have something ready to share. And I think that's a really helpful tip that he mentioned and just want to encourage again that I found really helpful. Um, yeah. I'll end there. The end.